Salutations, everyone. It is Thursday. That means it's time for NXT Talk, the podcast where we talk about all things NXT. We are your tour guides in this everlasting trip that is professional wrestling. I am Boris, and this week I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everyone doing out there? Happy Thanksgiving to our American friends, listeners, compadres. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy real Thanksgiving, as I love to call it. (laughs) Bold. (laughs) No, we don't have any gobbledygookers coming out of eggs. We don't have gobbledygookers winning the 24-7 belt today. But we do have a lot of talk about wrestling and pro wrestling related television shows that happen on on Wednesdays. And uh, what a uh, what uh, what a night it was for professional wrestling, to say the least. I think uh, it was a really good Wednesday night war. Uh, I, I think yet, yet again, NXT has proved to be superior to AEW for probably the second week in a row. But they were both good shows. And I think it's safe to say that they will uh, both be more entertaining than the football games today. Oh, man. 100%. I'm really, you know, if it wasn't. For the fact that it actually was football, I'd be pretty pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I, I have the day off. It's a nice football Sunday. I'm going to crank some beers, watch a couple games. But yeah, they're they are terrible. Houston versus Detroit. Ugh. Yeah. Dallas versus Washington. Ugh. Yeah. But but I do have some fantasy go- players going. Will Fuller, the fifth. Antonio Gibson. Let her ride, boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Oh, it's just crazy. And of course, you know, you, it has to be teams from the NFC, NFC East that are f- facing against each other. So, like, you know, because that is God's division right now. So, <laughs> ha- let's have fun watching the games later. But for now, we're going to talk about all things pro wrestling, all things NXT, all things Wednesday Night Wars. Um, and yeah, so I do agree with you that last night NXT was the better show. Um, so... As we talk about the show, as we review the matches, you know, we do give our rating, but because we are the young guns, because we're new and fresh and we like thinking outside the box, we're done with five-star reviews. So Matt and I always have a little fun with that. Matt, this week I was thinking about this at about five in the morning because I couldn't sleep. I figured what we would, what we would, um, what we would use for our rating system. It came to you in a fever dream. I'm excited. Yeah. What What is it, Boris? So it this came from one of the funnier segments of NXT. That was we are this week. We're going to use William Regal players. <laughs> I'm for it. That was really good. <laughs> All uh, right. Let's do it. Shout out to Teddy Long. Yes, that was great. I thoroughly enjoyed that. But we will get to that segment in a little bit so let's just start because we have a lot of things to talk about not only are we going to be reviewing nxt from last night we are going to be giving our best match best promo we're then going to expand on the week that was pro wrestling we're going to give you what made us pop what made us rant and then i think we're going to call it a day because you know personally you know i just want to get mentally prepared for the lackluster games that we're going to watch later the raw of games for later today all right so nxt from november 25th 
from the Capitol Wrestling Center in Winter Park, Florida. So the show starts off with a video package highlighting the return of Finn Balor. Um, then we get right into the show. Match number one has Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae with Indy Hartwell. Um, so we go straight to the Capitol Wrestling Center with Kevin Owens as guest commentator tonight. Candice LeRae is already in the ring with Indy Hartwell. Ember Moon makes her way out with her new theme, her furry tail and whatnot. And we get ready to start our first match of the evening. Um, Beth Phoenix and Vic Joseph uh, compliment Ember Moon on her return. KO pays respect to Ember's drive to make a name for herself here in NXT. Um, so the bell rings and we start. So... I overall really like this match. I wish they were given more time, um, but, you know, week after week, I feel like I'm starting to sound like a broken record, and that's when I say that I am so happy that Ember Moon is back in NXT, that she's finally, you know, has some, um, you know, ha has a path. She, she's got drive. She has something to do week over week, um, and I will also point out the fact that Candice LeRae right now might be my favorite heel act in all of NXT. I could, uh, I'm not sure if I would say favorite just because there are, there are two or three contenders, but she's doing great work all the time. She's really, really, she's extremely watchable. Candice LeRae was the star of this particular show. She showed up in like four or five different segments. She was the one who carried it from start to finish, and she did a great job. It was never too much Candice. There was one point where I was like, oh, wow, another Candice? But it wasn't like I didn't want to see it. I was just shocked that they were pushing her so hard. But she deserves it. She's doing great. Yeah. Anything you want to point out in this match? Was there anything that stuck out for you? Uh, well, we're getting near the finish, but the one thing that stuck out to me is the Eclipse, Ember Moon's finisher, is such a beautiful move. It's so gorgeous when she hits it. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a twisting stone-cold stunner off the top to, a, to an opponent who's standing in the ring. You have to see it. It's such an incredible wrestling move. It really is, and it's one of those where it's kind of like... The one thing about moves like that is I always question why you have to climb the top rope and do a flip to execute, like, essentially a stunner. Um, you know, you can argue the fact that you're going to get more momentum off of the rope through the flip as you fall down. Gravity, you know, science and gravity are a hell of a thing. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to get into that. It looks cool and it must hurt. Exactly, it's wrestling. No, it's the. Uh, it probably hurts Ember more than the receiver uh, on on most cases. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. It's gravity. It's science. It's the G force, Morris. <laughs> the G force. All right. So Ember Moon is in a chin lock. She does eventually escape. It. Ember attempts some offense, whipping Laray. Laray comes back and locks in the Gargano escape. And I love the fact that at this point, Vic Joseph and Kevin Owens uh, had some funny back and forth. Um, uh, so, yeah, Ember Moon uh, repositions and rises up, but Larea adjusts and leaps on Ember's back, clinching her legs around Moon's waist and applying a sleeper. Ember starts to fade, but as um, the wherewithal to flop back, uh, landing Larey, landing on Larey, Moon begins to fire up now, sending Larey from corner to corner. Ember Moon hits a suplex, keeps a grip on 
and rolls up, lifting Candice up and hitting a pancake suplex. Moon goes up too. Dakota Kai gets on the apron to distract the ref, and Hartwell moves into the ring. Moon dives, hits Hartwell with the eclipse. Candice comes in from behind her and hits uh, the wicked stepsister, picking up the win. One, two, three. Um, I gotta say, the wicked stepsister is such a awesome name for a finisher. Uh, but your winner of this match. Candice LeRae. 100% agree with you, Boris. And, and I agree with your earlier assessment that uh, this match could have gone longer. I would have liked to have seen more. But it was a it was a good little match. Definitely definitely something that I enjoyed watching, I would say, above average. If we want to get into our player rating. <laughs> Let's I get would, into our I player would, rating. I would drop three players on this match out of five, out of a potential five players for a 60% player percentage. So you would go player, player, player. I would go player, player, player on this one. <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have too much fun with this. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. You know, this is your. You know, and, and I'm starting to think that three stars is turning into our average NXT wrestling rating. So that's kind of like the bar at this point. You know. Yeah, they're like if, if you look at the totality of wrestling, they're like above average matches. And if you if you look at every match that has ever happened, and like if you're actually trying to rate matches seriously, they are slightly above average matches. But there's not like there's not a ton to them. It's not something you're gonna bounce your grandkids on your knee and tell them about one day. I think three stars is a pretty fair rating for. I agree. Longest. I agree. One thing you know now that we're having this discussion is that this was a good TV match. You know that there's a difference between a house show match. Match, a TV match and a pay-per-view match, um, and I, I would say that this was a very good TV match. Um, you know, we get good action between the two. Both people get to show off what they have, what their arsenal is, and it progresses a storyline. But it doesn't give you everything that these two people can do. Leaves you wanting more, Boris. Leaves you wanting more. And as you mentioned, sometimes you even get a fun angle during these matches exactly all right so let's talk about the shenanigans that happen after the match so um ex- yeah it's essentially uh tony storm comes out to back up ember moon as kai gonzalez larry hartwell occupy the the ring storm and moon nod charge the ring but storm grabs her leg as ember moon is trying to jump into the ring she gets yanked out begins to attack ember moon um and uh yeah there you go call me uh call me an electrician because i was shocked (laughs) he'll turn he'll turn for tony i definitely didn't see it coming and I'm not sure that I love it right now just because I do think Tony Storm has potential to be a top babyface. I think she has that potential, but it's easier to be a heel. I'm sure she will do entertaining work. And, you know, let's give it a chance, of course. But, yeah, I was a little – I was a touch disappointed just because I think Tony Storm has limitless potential. And I'd rather see her as a babyface, but who knows? I agree with that assessment. I also think that, you know, it's one of those things where not – Everyone needs to be a heel at some point in their career. Um, I feel like this, everyone right now in NXT, everyone that you would never think of, Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, you know, with their heel runs, it just seems a little uh, cliche. It just seems like par for course at this point. Um, one thing I do like is the fact that this happened now, you know, with 10 days before. War Games! 
assumes, yeah, don't do the turn in the cage every time. Yep. Which this leads to my theory of Balor, you know, we're one step closer. One step closer. All right. Yep. So there you go. Tony Storm is now a heel and, uh, you know, at this point, my assumption was, well, I guess she's going to be in the War Games match, but more on that in a little bit. All right, so our next segment is, um, before we go to break, we see the Undisputed Era with perfect timing as they walk into the building. Matt, I love it when, 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 you know, when you're late at, when you're late to work and you walk in right when you're needed. (laughs) It's pretty great. It's almost like they weren't late at all. You know, my other favorite part about this. Although they were quite clearly. I don't want to get too political. We're not about politics outside of wrestling, which sometimes is worse than actual politics. But my favorite part (laughs) about that, and this is so small, such a small detail, was the fact that they walked into the employees-only door. Someone call Andrew Yang. (laughs) It's true. It's clearly marked. (laughs) To be fair, I don't think there's an independent contractors-only door. No, no, I just, it's, it's, I got to have a little bit of fun. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so in the ring, we get the Undisputed Era. Um, so they're making their way out to the ring. As we return, we get a clip from Pat McAfee's show, and all four members of the uh, Undisputed Era are in the ring and get on the mics. All right, so here we are. Adam Cole mentions that Pat claims that they, his group, have taken over the show. Cole says that they've... Heard it over and over before. Cole gives props to Pat for giving the Undisputed Era a dose of their own medicine, but that's all right. Cole calls Pat a coward for not being present, but says that he's looking forward to two weeks from now um, at War Games, by God, which I believe is some sort of tag team match I've I've heard, I've read on the internet. Fucking love it. I love every second of that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so the, so the Undisputed Era each take their turn saying their awkward, um, not improvised lines. Um, then, we, <laughs> then we start talking about the match later tonight, uh, which is the War Games Advantage match. So it determines who will enter last into or first. Who gets the first pick into War Games? Sorry. Um, and uh, all we know is that Pete Dunne has been chosen. Um, and then at that point, uh, Kyle O'Reilly begs Cole to give him another shot at Pete Dunne after Tun turned on, on him. Cole loves the idea of an angry Kyle O'Reilly fighting Pete. He says, this is the Kyle O'Reilly who took out, on, who took out uh, the NXT champion. Um, the Undisputed Era has fought for championships and bragging rights, but this time they're fighting to drag Pat McAfee and his team through absolute hell. Cole promises to remind everyone who they are and says that Pat, after War Games, we will never ever be the same, and that is undisputed. Well, as you alluded to, the Undisputed Era is, does not do the best work when their faces. Yeah, so I'm actually going to save this, but because because <laughs> you you spoiler alert, you might be hearing me talk about this again later in the show in a different segment. But uh, yeah, so 
What I will say is after, after watching Pat McAfee come out here and destroy it as a rookie and, and even like Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, actually, I think we missed a Legado del Fantasma uh, promo, which was pretty good. Um, or maybe that I, th- I that might be coming up. But uh, anyway, Legado del Fantasma doing great promo work. There's uh, Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae doing great promo work. Damian Priest doing great promo work. It really stood out how bad this was. It, it was not. It was not good. Yep. 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 It wasn't a good at all. And you are right. I did forget <laughs> the Legado del Fantasma um, promo. I do apologize on that. What is wrong with me? Man, it's too early to do this today. <laughs> nah, it happens. You know. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I didn't. I overall just. You know. You hit the nail on the head. It was what it was. All right. So backstage, we are with Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, Raquel Gonzalez, um, and Dakota Kai. Uh, so Mackenzie Mitchell uh, wants to talk to Candice LeRae about what happened moments ago. LeRae tells her. Uh, she needs a moment, then discusses with her colleagues. Um, and I just love Candace's heel work here. Like the, you know, move to the side, get away from us. We need to talk. Um, everyone agrees. And Team LeRae is Candace LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm. That's when Tony Storm steps in front of the camera and says that she's fine with that. And she tells everyone when she returned, she was going to be whole new Tony storm as we go to break. So Candace yet again, carrying a segment, doing a great job. And yet we're, I, we're going to see Tony storm. We're going to see how she does as a heel. You got to give it a chance. That's my yep. entire thing. I can't, I can't bail on that. Now you got to give it a chance. Yep. I guess, yep. I guess the same can be said about the undisputed era, but they, they, objectively did a poor job i feel like i i agree and i because we're likely going to talk about that later i'll give him i'll save some of my thoughts um all right then we get a match that i was thoroughly looking forward to when i saw that this was going to happen and that is timothy thatcher versus kushida all right so when we return from break thatcher's in the ring kushida makes his way to the ring as a commentary team mentions how dangerous kushida's been this year uh he's been more vicious than ever the ref separates them and Tommaso Ciampa comes down the ramp dragging a steel chair again love Kevin Owens during this uh little uh um walk uh Ciampa sets it up at the bottom of the ramp and takes a seat to watch the match we're reminded that Ciampa's requested match with Thatcher but Thatcher said that he has no quarrel with Ciampa we start things (laughs) off great work yeah (laughs) Uh, Kushida and Thatcher lock up and execute a series of attempted submissions and counters. This match was very much on the ground. A lot of submissions, a lot of counters. Um, Matt, did you watch Kushida when he was in New Japan? So I, I'm not a huge New Japan guy, but I do try to catch the big shows, at least like Dominion, the G1 final. There was one year where I watched every G1 show and wrote about them, and and I, then I had to stop watching New Japan for like 18 months. Like, yeah, that, it killed me. I actually stopped watching wrestling for a couple months. It just completely burned me out. But uh, I, I did watch some New Japan, and I was always impressed by Kushida. Kushida is an incredible in-ring wrestler. He's really, really good. All right. The, the reason why I was asking was because, you know, I my brother and I were huge Kushida fans, mainly because of the Back to the Future gimmick. Go figure. The gimmick is what got me interested in him. Um, 
But you know, and 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 I know that he's he's an MMA guy, and I know that he can do the ground uh, mat work. But I've never seen him do as much ground uh, mat work as he's been doing lately. Uh, so it's it's nice and refreshing to see, uh, you know, him kind of this character of you know I'm angry, so I'm gonna break everyone's arms type thing. And that's pretty much what we saw in this match. You know, Kushida was. Focusing on Thatcher's arm and elbow, um, and they told a great story there because you know Thatcher, being the tough guy that he is, he would you know he did great job of selling the arm. Um, Kushida would get the advantage. Thatcher would overpower him, but you know ultimately the arm is what got Kish- uh, Thatcher um, down. Um, overall, what did you think of this match? I really like this match. It was an awesome scientific chess match style wrestling match. Uh, the old Thatch's Thatch can style was in full display. And it's like you said about Kushida, like he's really leaning in to the scientific style. He's really leaning into his wrestling background yeah. and it's working wonders for him. He's a, this was, this was a great matchup on paper and I actually didn't see that it was advertised. So when they said coming up next, Thatcher versus Kushida. I was like, what? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. To my veins, Boris. Yeah. yeah this match, this match was great. It's actually, oh, it's actually a contender. I would say for match of the night. I'm not sure we're going to get into that obviously, but I think this was, this was a really good, if we're going to, if we're going to drop our rating, you can, you can say what you will about this match before we do. Yep. All right, so Thatcher gets all kinds of twisted up with Kushida's body before finally you're locking in an ankle lock. Kushida immediately slides out of it and down Thatcher's body, uh, dropping dropping the catch specialist and locking in his own ankle lock. Thatcher escapes and locks Kushida in a sleeper hold with his legs uh, body scissored around Kushida. Kushida squirms and gets to his feet. Thatcher tries to lock in another sleeper. Kushida tries to hyperextend Thatcher's left elbow, then sends Thatcher off of him. Thatcher falls to the outside. Kushida follows, and both men battle at the ringside. Uh, Thatcher goes shoulder first into the ring post again, working that arm, working that shoulder. Uh, We see Thatcher on his knees, staring at Ciampa. His nose and mouth are bloody. What an awesome sight that was. That was, like, perfect. Unfortunately, looked like he was actually bleeding, but the, the actual visual looked really cool. Kushida takes him inside. Both men exchange uppercuts, nasty-looking uppercuts at that. Thatcher hits the double underarm suplex. Uh, Tommaso stands up, eyeing Thatcher. Kushida capitalizes on it, flipping Thatcher down and locks in the hoverboard lock. Thatcher taps out immediately because all match, his arm was being worked on. His arm couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, that's that. So your winner by submission, Kushida. So a couple things before we go into your rating. Number one, love this match. Number two, one thing I love about NXT is similar to the other show on Wednesday. We have, typically speaking, we have good clean finishes of matches. They aren't afraid to give big L's to certain people. Um, And overall, Thatcher still looks strong. His arm was going to fall off. That's why he tapped out. And we further the story with Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a little bit of chicanery in that Tommaso Ciampa kind of like stood up and threw down his chair, which 
sort of caused a distraction to Timothy Thatcher. But still, it was it was still a pretty clean finish. And Kushida's getting pushed, and he deserves it. He's a really great wrestler. This was a great match. I really, really liked it. It was, it, like you said about the previous, it, it was a TV-style match in, the, in that they left us wanting more. But it was a great performance. I'm going to give it four players. I'm going to go play a play a play a play for an 80% play a percentage on this one. I thought it was really good. I agree. I agree 100%. I really enjoyed this match a lot. Um, And, you know, I got to say that this NXT gave us um, takeover quality matchups in the sense of people facing people, not the match themselves. But, you know, this left me wanting to watch Timothy Thatcher, Kushida and a 25 minute knockout brawl. Yeah, 1,000 million percent agree. I hope we get it on a future takeover. It doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon, but it's in the back pocket. And uh, I'm excited to see it. And we need we need a bigger push for Kushida. So it's, it's good that he's beating Thatcher, who is a pushed, credible heel. But yeah, I'm ready for Kushida in the title picture. Yep. Kushida's gotten two major wins in the past little while. Once against a guy who we don't talk about and one against Timothy Thatcher. So, you know, overall, that's pretty good. Um, All right, so then we get a video package from last week's NXT Women's Championship match. Our commentary team takes us to a video package featuring clips of last week's incredible title match, which both Matt and I praised thoroughly. So if you haven't listened to our review, you should. Um, Both women give us some voiceover narration during this package. We see the vicious attacks that Rhea took on her arm and hear from a WWE physician because they're as credible as credible can be. Uh, Rhea says that Io putting her through the table destroyed her back. The only problem for Rhea was she couldn't stand up, staggering into the ring, and three seconds later, Io Shirai is the champion. Uh, Rhea says she doesn't like to. She doesn't like Io, but she respects her. This is an ongoing theme. Uh, forward and wonders where she goes from here admitting that she doesn't know we'll see Rhea Ripley live later that's that that was this was really good uh anytime they do these hype videos they knock them out of the park specifically when building a match or talking about a match they're always nine or ten out of ten they're they're very very good it's amazing, and I know that this is the Pete Dunn, um, not Pete Dunn, oh, Kevin Dunn, because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at Pete Dunn's name right in front of my eyes right now. Uh, th- I know that this is the Kevin Dunn syndrome with the main roster, um, but whoever, it's it's amazing to think that NXT it comes from the same company who makes these SmackDown and Raw videos. It's actually crazy to think that this is the same company that does anything related to SmackDown and Raw. <laughs> You're right. All right. So backstage, we are with Mackenzie Mitchell, Pete Dunn, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Birch. Pete Dunn and his allies say that they've broken the spirit of the Undisputed Era once, and they'll do it again. And at. Say it. War Games, by God, Boris. They'll finish the job. Quick little promo. Anything to say about that? I liked it. I think. Uh... Pete Dunn was like a good understated heel in this. Uh, he's uh, not only is he the best wrestler in the group, obviously, but he's probably maybe becoming the, the, the well, non Pat McAfee, who is only there for promos, but of the three wrestlers, he's probably the best promo of the three as well. So yeah, Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn is in a spot now that he can really sink his teeth into and, and he's doing it. I'm really liking it. And yep. his top knot is getting more and more aggressive every week. 
Yeah, yeah. And he's his you know, he's got a face only a mother can love. The kisser on that guy. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's such a good heel. All right. So then comes, you know, spoiler alert, maybe my favorite segment of all of Wednesday, and that's the Kevin Owen show, NXT edition. Uh Kevin Owen points out that last November he came back as a special competitor. This November he's back as a commentator. Next November maybe he'll be the bellboy. Uh, he then gets to his guests, uh, welcoming out your North American champion, Leon Ruff. Leon comes out in dress casual slacks and a dress shirt, belt over his shoulder, waist, knees, and toes, and all smiles as the commentary team compliments his spirit and sharp look. Uh, K.O. welcomes Ruff, who thanks him for having him. K.O. mentions that they might as well use the chairs... Uh, and because they look real comfy, he says that after watching Ruff's last two weeks, he thought, why not have a Kevin Owens show so Ruff can tell his story? He tells Ruff that the floor is his. Ruff tells us that he signed his WWE contract seven weeks ago, and he's wanted to be a WWE superstar for his whole life. KO asked uh, to see the clips. Um, so we see the clip from two weeks ago when Leon Ruff surprisingly defeated Johnny Gargano to win the North American title in a major upset. In the ring, Ruff says that moment when he won the title and puts it around his waist and it fell to his feet was so embarrassing Kale tells him not to worry about it, and the same happened to him too. I burst out laughing when he said that. He asked what it meant, what it means uh, to him uh, to have the title. Ruff says it's an inspiration to people like him who were told he couldn't succeed. Kale tells Ruff that should be he should be very proud of himself, and I, I kind of like the dynamic between the two. It's kind of like you have this rookie green guy and the the you know your 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 chiseled grizzled veteran and Kevin Owens telling him, man, you gotta step up, be happy. You you worked your ass off here. Um, it wasn't yeah, own it. You deserve it, kind of thing. This was like it was a unique segment in wrestling. You don't usually see. You always see like that. You don't deserve it. You're small. You're dog shit. You're nothing. But Kevin Owens was like, no, man, you earned this. You made it here yourself. You got the win. This is pretty good. I, I like yeah. this part of it, and, and it then, only got better. Yeah, and then Ko cautions Ruff that there are people in the back who don't have the same conviction and want his title. Ko gets Ruff well and fired up and he hops to his feet and yells into the mic he yells that he can do whatever he wants as he beat gargano not once but twice ko literally face palms and tells him when you say someone's name they always come out i bet he's back there screaming at someone to hit his music so he can come out so there you go that's what happens when you get you know when when you need to interrupt someone's promo you get up you run and you say Put on my damn music, and then it happens. All right, so then Ko At does. At least a count- we have a, 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 we have an official canon explanation for this. This was great. I love that. I did too. I every promo in the history of Raw and SmackDown together now. Yep. <laughs> Um, KO then does the countdown, three, two, one, silence, finally Gargano's music cuts in, and KO says he was a little off with his countdown, Gargano comes out yelling no, and asks if his if this is a prank show, and if Ashton Kutcher is going to pop out of one of these pods, um, Kevin Owens' response was the best, as he says, great timely reference, Gargano gets in the ring, KO gets him a chair, he tells Gargano he's a good host, um, Gargano says, thank you for the chairs. I don't want a stupid chair. Gargano throws his chair out the ring. As this was happening, someone hands KO another chair. And Gargano yells again that he doesn't want a stupid chair. And Owen tells him it's not for him. 
Gargano yells at Ruff a little more, telling him that he didn't deserve to win the title and only did so because of that um, er uh, that arrow shooting freak, meaning Damian Priest. KO shakes his head and reminds Johnny what he just said about saying someone's name. He does another countdown and out comes Damian Priest. Priest gets in the ring and tells Johnny that he sucks and lost to Ruff. KO offers him a chair. Priest thanks him but declines. Priest goes on to say that Ruff beat Gargano twice. Gargano yells at Priest saying that Ruff only won because of Priest and that Gargano wants to prove that Ruff is a fluke, a joke. Gargano and Ruff get in each other's faces. Priest calls Gargano. Johnny chokes over there. And then Priest reminds Ruff of his comments last week when Ruff said he'd take on both Gargano and Priest. Um, and he also reminds everyone that he's never had his rematch. KO laments not having a Theodore Long to come out and make the match. If only the NXT version of Theodore Long would come out. And then William Regal's music hits. And I love William Regal and the character that essentially he is now. He literally is the guy who comes out for one second, announces matches, and walks back. So Regal makes it official. Leon Ruff will defend his North American title against Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano at... War Games! War Games! Back on! It's, a, it's an NXT TakeOver card. <laughs> he then smirks at them, ends his declaration by saying, Playa. And heads to the heads back. our ratings for the day. This was a great promo. Uh, there's a little thing, too, in Damian Priest's countdown where he, he did the countdown. It didn't happen. And then he did it again. It didn't happen. And then Owens was like, oh, maybe things are changing around here yeah. in NXT. And then as, as he said that, the music hit. I, I laughed at that, too. Kevin Owens was hilarious in this. This was really, really good. I love I, Exactly. Kevin Owens is just, you know, sitting. He was The fact he was just sitting watching this happen, it's kind of like, you know, again, the, the grizzled veteran knowing exactly what's going to go down um, and just, you know, just, just taking it all in. I really enjoyed this. As you can tell, I took a lot of notes here because I really, really enjoyed this entire segment. Yeah, and there's a way to do comedy in wrestling that doesn't bury anyone. It doesn't make anyone look dumb or silly. It's just actually funny. And a good way to do it is have a character like Kevin Owens who's on the outside of the feud. So the three people in the feud can be serious. And he was just kind of driving. It was like almost he was like the comedy and he had three straight men by yeah. his side actually doing the wrestling. But this was a great segment. This was this was awesome. Home run. Yeah. And again, like Leo Ruff. Man, Leon Ruff. I'm, I'm always almost called him Leo Rush. Not gonna happen. But Leon Ruff, man, he's he's his mic work isn't the best, but the character that he's portraying, this happy-go-lucky, I'm happy to be here type guy, is just, it's it's heartwarming. It it warms my otherwise gold bitter heart. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think it's a great character for kids to get into. I think they would love Leon Ruff. I think, yeah, he's he, like I said last week, he's the new one, two, three kid. He's a better promo than Sean Waltman ever was, although Sean Waltman was a much better wrestler, I would say. But yeah, this is this is very good. Yep. Yeah, no. I, I, and, and, and again, you know, unpopular opinion or I guess super popular opinion with the majority of people is that Leon Ruff is um, hurting the North American belt. But this pro, this is the first time in a long time I actually care about what happens with the North American title. So you tell me, Matt, how is that putting down the title? It's building. He's building up the title. The, exactly. I care more about this title now than I have in months. Of course, of course, he's adding value to the title. 
And everybody who's out there saying, ah, he's devaluing it is kind of actually helping. So, so, you know, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As, then we get the f- original and possibly only person driving the Leon Ruff bandwagon. I'm quite excited. No, you and I are building it piece of wood by plastic tire, one tire and piece of wood <laughs> at a time, player. I love it. All right, then we get another awesome NXT promo, um, and that's Finn Balor. Balor says he's back, and the champion fights on Wednesdays. I love that. That was so cool when he like the way that it was produced, the way that he just said it, the 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 script itself. Chef's kiss. Badass black and white shot. Yeah, I like this a lot. This was there's a good little quick promo. Nothing nothing wrong with this. Yep. All right, then we get a video package that we saw last week with Shoutsy Blackheart and generals gathered in the masses. Yep. burner. I actually love the fact that, that they were able to license that song for next week's um, pay-per-view, and I use that term loosely. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, this it, it, very. It, it's funny to see Shotzi Blackheart of all people get the Black Sabbath promo. But hey, it works. She's she's she looks crazy, and uh, I I buy that she's ready to go to war. That's for sure. Yep. All right. Then we get our next match of the evening as we see Cameron Grimes versus Jake Atlas. We return from break, and Jake Atlas is already in the ring. Cameron Grimes comes down, and the commentary team compliments Atlas's growth over the last few weeks and wonder if Grimes is over his Loomis curse. Grimes starts off aggressive. Atlas attempts to stop it, but Grimes hits a big single-legged dropkick. Grimes sends Atlas into the ropes and telegraphs a backdrop, but Atlas lands on his feet. Both men exchange fists. Atlas sends Grimes into the ropes, but Grimes grabs the ropes and puts on the brakes. Grimes attempts a Larry Atlas rolls through and gets a close two. Atlas with a big form and another attempted cover on Grimes. KO and Vic Joseph mentioned that this could be a big upset for Atlas and a big boost to the 26-year-old's career. Grimes slams down Atlas. Grimes pulls him up and sends Atlas into the ropes. And on the rebound, Grimes hits the cave-in. Um, if you have, it's a great, uh, it's one of my favorite finishers in wrestling, along with Candice LeRae's. And then Grimes gets the one, two, three for the win. Your winner of this quick contest, Cameron Grimes. Yeah, Cameron Grimes. Yeah, so the the Caven is like a standing Finn Balor style double stomp. Like he runs and does it to a standing opponent, like you would, I don't know, a drop kick or a crossbody or something. It's it's absolutely filthy. And when, when like I I don't know, I'm sure that like there's a way to do it safely, but it, but the the man taking that bump is could be in a lot of trouble there. Like there's a lot that can go wrong with that one. That's, it's like that's, the that's a crazy gras. move. It's like the very gras, very right? very worthy finisher. I buy it as a finishing move. I, you know, for me, I've watched wrestling for, you know, I would say, what, 90-something percent of my life. If there's, if I can't figure out how they can do the move safely, that's a fucking good move. <laughs> I agree with that. That's, yeah, that's fair. Uh, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, this match was, I don't know, it was, you, you could say it was pretty much an average NXT match. I liked it more than that just because the two guys in it are very talented. I feel bad for Jake Atlas, man. He just always seems to be the loser in a short match that got cut for time. That's his current his current role right now. It kind of sucks. He kind of needs to, like, go heel or something. I don't know what happens with Jake Atlas from here, but uh, I feel well, bad for him. But th- this match was this match was fine. I, I feel for Atlas the same way I feel about a certain Canadian tag team that we're going to talk about in a little bit. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, the Canadian tag team, that's what they're here for. I, I assume that Jake Atlas wasn't hired to be a jobber. But yeah, I thought this match was was slightly above average. Let's go three players, play a play a play a out of five for the 60% play a percentage on this one. All right. I agree with that. So after the match, Grimes is celebrating in the ring, but doesn't see um, Dexter Loomis coming up behind him. Grimes flees the ring. Loomis stands in the middle of the ring um, with his black sack of cloth, his brooding hand sack, whatever, and points to the LED. douchebag lacrosse backpack. Yep. Uh, And he points to the LED screen surrounding the ring, and at the top of the ramp, we see clips from their Halloween Havoc match, mostly of Grimes begging for his life and running, slash, uh, fleeing. Loomis pulls a long leather strap out of a black sack and throws one end at Grimes. Grimes grabs it and throws it back, yelling it's not going to happen over and over as he stomps up the ramp. Loomis coldly stares at him, with those beautiful blue eyes of his. And then we see Rhea Ripley walking through the back, and she'll be out after the break. That was a decent segment. I like I, I like Dexter Loomis when all he's doing is staring. That's his best <laughs> role. That's his best feature. And he, he pulls it off quite well. Did you ever watch him when he was an Impact? I was I was never much of a TNA guy. I watched the start of it like uh, later because it's fucking insane and hilarious just as wrestle crap like i watched like the first five or six episodes uh speaking of which we should talk about that one day down the road but anyway it's neither here nor there but yeah no i I, i've seen like the odd really good match i watched some of aj styles but i haven't seen one second of samuel shaw's career before dexter loomis not one second yeah there was just a general question because i haven't either (laughs) there there was no enlightenment there was no go into there was no, hey, Matt, but he's actually a fantastic wrestler. None of that. <laughs> That's definitely what I thought was coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> All right. So backstage, we're with Re- William Regal and Cameron Grimes. Grimes has been summoned to Regal's office. Grimes says he's an important man and has places to be. Regal tells Grimes that the NXT universe, and that made me cringe because I hate that, wants to see Grimes takes on Loomis, and Regal thinks Loomis's idea of a strap match is great. He makes it official. So, uh, War Games, we're going to see Loomis versus Grimes in a strap match. That should be pretty bad, but but morbidly watchable, I think. I did like Cameron Grimes in this promo, like, Mr. Regal, why do you hate me? <laughs> that was a fun little line. Uh, Cameron Grimes continues to impress both in ring and out of ring with his crazy white trash Ric Flair Jay White gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Cameron Grimes, like I said, or we've talked about in the past, I was a fan of his in Impact as Trevor Lee. Um, he had a lot of goofy things to work with, but he was a great worker. Uh, but now he's he's got a character, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not too different from this character um but he seems so comfortable his mic work is great he knows how to act and i'm he you know he's the one who's in my opinion making this uh feud with loomis work not that i'm a huge fan of loomis i i I, you know what i'm gonna give him an honest chance at war games i'm going to go into that match thinking absolutely nothing and i'm sure i'll be pleasantly surprised (laughs) yeah i think there's been like one or two like really good strap matches in the history of wrestling like maybe savio vega and steve austin as the lights went off 
was one. Yeah, that was a good one. I think uh, Carlos Colon and Stan Hansen had one in like 1980 something, 86 maybe. That's actually like incredible. You can find it on YouTube. But uh, yeah, I don't know. And I they're, recently they're, they're watched. few and far between. Yeah, I recently – and I have a third one for you and I don't remember who the opponent was but I saw this recently. Um it was Bruiser Brody, and I forget who he was facing, uh, but this was in Japan, and it just looked absolutely brutal. Oh, shit. Cool. Yeah. I'd definitely like to check that out. I'll Google Bruiser Brody strap match after this podcast. Oh, all right. We cut to the ring, and Rhea Ripley is already in the ring. She compliments Io Shirai and her ability. Rhea mentions that the hug after the match last week was nothing but respect for Io. She says that they respect each other, but it wasn't any kind of sending off party. Uh, Rhea says she's here and she's here to stay, thank God. And she's focused on one thing and will not stop. Um, and then all we hear is, are you kidding me? As Candice LeRae and Tony Storm come out, Candice mocks Rhea and tells her to tell the fans how she's, you know, how much harder she's going to try next time. I love that, like, cocky LeRae attitude. LeRae says the difference between Rhea and LeRae is that Io stole two victories from Larray with help, but she beat Rhea on her own. Besides that, the biggest difference between us, you talky, 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 talk, but can't seem to back it up. I, on the other hand, can talk the talk and walk the walk. Um, she's joined by Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai with an unconscious Io Shirai on her shoulder. Team Kai charged the ring. Um, I guess Team Larray charges the ring. Ripley slides out and takes out Raquel and Dakota at ringside. Um, she slides back in to brawl with Tony Storm and Candice Larray. Ripley fights like a kung fu ferret, but the numbers are not in her favor. Team Larray uh, beats her down for, for um, four on one with Io Shirai motionless on the ramp. Raquel Gonzalez slams Rhea, then throws her into the ring post. Uh, they take their time beating her down before Team Larray leaves and walks up the ramp. They stand over the fallen Shirai, smiling at the ring as Rhea Ripley holds her right shoulder and rolls in pain as we go to break. Um, I like the idea of this. I like the overall um, beatdown, but this I'm starting to notice a trend with beatdowns, and I think that, and I don't know how to describe this properly, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll try my best, and you can expand or elaborate, and that is it's they always start off very awkward. It's kind of like people are waiting for their cues because they're following a script. You see this a lot on Dynamite as well. You saw this with Team Taz and Hobbs and Cody and Allen. It just starts off as very awkward because people are looking at their, you know, at their back. They're looking in different directions. They're not paying attention. The fighting and the brawling looks rigged. It is, but overly yeah. rigged. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I 100% agree with that. That's 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 very true. They're 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 being overdone, and so we're seeing all the holes that can possibly happen in them because they're doing it so often that that you're gonna you can't you can't bat a thousand. They're gonna screw up a couple times. Yeah. Also, I, it's not a dig. I'm just something that I'm noticing as a trend in wrestling in general. I didn't want to point this one out specifically, um, but it's just something I'm noticing in general. Um, and when I mean wrestling, I mean Wednesday Night Wars. I you know it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, 
pretty much don't watch I don't watch much else at this point, although I try to keep up with things. I did watch Survivor Series, for example. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. I think another thing that beatdowns are doing way too much is dragging a beaten opponent out and you didn't see the beatdown backstage. Yeah. That's becoming that's that's way overdone at this point. It's no longer like, oh my god, like this crazy dramatic thing like it was the first t- couple times you see it. Yep. In Kayfabe, sucks for Eo, but in real life, pretty good night for Eo. She just had to come out and lay on the stage while four people beat up Rhea Ripley. Not yep. not a bad uh, not a bad paycheck there. Yep, but yep. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought the idea was good. I didn't really like just because we've seen it. It was pretty much every beatdown you've ever seen. But like they they've clearly set up war games, and I think because Raquel Gonzalez was the one who carried the women's champ out beaten and later down on the stage. I think Raquel Gonzalez might be our next challenger to Io Shirai. See, I was thinking the same thing, but then I thought, wait, I'm watching WWE. Does this actually mean anything? Because there was a day in wrestling where a small sign like that would symbolize and show us who the next contender is going to be. But nowadays, are we just analyzing this too deeply? That's a really good question. Hopefully NXT has uh, has the foresight to do little things like that. But if it were if it were Raw or SmackDown, I would say absolutely not, and we'd be kidding ourselves. But I have faith in uh, young Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> oh man, Hunter! You know what match? This is a complete just derailing of the podcast right now. <laughs> Guess what it. match I recently rewatched? What's that? Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus the Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania 12. Oh my God. The the classic no sell of the pedigree. Yep, <laughs> man, it's it's really wild that uh, they that they support and like prop up the Ultimate Warrior for a number of reasons. But even that Triple H is behind it because Triple H fucking hates that guy or hated, I guess. Yep, yep. Anyways, um, and this was, I guess, you know, it, it wasn't my favorite beatdown of the night. My favorite beatdown was the silhouette beatdown from the other show. <laughs> I liked it. That was fun. Yeah. Definitely. All right. We get a video package of uh, Zia Lee, uh, Boa, and I'm gonna just going to say the Master Emperor with air quotes. None of our listeners can see me doing the air quotes, but Matt can. <laughs> um, we see them in a car. I can confirm. Air quotes happen. <laughs> we see them in a car. They exit and see the older Asian man. Both of them had amazingly horrible ma- white makeup on uh, to look very tired and bags under their eyes. Um, they are then seen bowing and calling him master. He nods and opens the door to a storage unit. It looks like they come in and kneel before a cloaked figure who resembles the emperor from Star Wars, um, Palpatine. They're now begging for one more chance, begging for mercy. Um, the emperor holds up a finger and the master yells at them to shut up. He then marks their hands with a symbol in black ink and we cut to the ring. I gotta say, you know, it's... It this this whatever's going on here has me interested enough. Interested enough is a is a good way to put it. I was just sitting here praising Triple H, but what the fuck was this? What what is going on here? I don't know. I I, I guess like, again, our whole thing, especially this week, is give it a chance. So I will give it a chance. But this this was this was out there. It, 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 Zia Lee and Boa looked like they hadn't eaten or slept in weeks. I don't know. 
This was uh, this was something. This was a pro wrestling <laughs> this segment. This was something indeed. All right, next is my favorite match of the night, and that's Everrise <laughs> versus we don't know because Everrise were in the ring, but before the match can even begin, Zach Gibson and James Drake, better known as the grizzled young veterans from NXT UK, show up and take them out. They get on the mic, reintroduce themselves, and they tell everyone to remember who they are. The match actually never really started. Yeah, I was just, it was funny. I was just telling my roommate who was watching with me, all these ever guys, they're like Canadian (laughs) indie staples. Like I've seen them live probably at least four or five times. And then Kevin Owens was talking about how much he loves ever rising there's guys. And then they get immediately shit cranked by the NXT UK clowns. So that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually saw one of the guys from ever rise. Um, I'm going to assume is Martel something Martel or Martel something. Um, and he was at the Destiny show when Marty Skrull faced Pete Dunne, um, literally the night before Raw in Montreal, which was when he had a dark match and was eventually signed to WWE. That's amazing. Right on. Small little fun fact of Boris's indie wrestling, um, (laughs) whatever. Boris's indie wrestling corner. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We are backstage with Gargano and Larray. Uh, they're asked about what Larray just did. Larray and Gargano talk about building their careers and that Gargano is going to win his title back. Um, they get in the car and they drive off, uh, putting uh, Indy Hartwell slowly to the back. But what do we see in the car? We see another ghost face in the back seat, and the commentary team remarked that it's not Indy Hartwell this time. So someone else is in the group. I. I think they're relying too much on who is the mysterious masked man person. We're going to see it again in this show and there's only one segment left, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I, I like this at the time, but in retrospect, I like it last because they're overdoing it, but Hey, another, another good Candice LeRae promo to bra- wrap it up, bring it all home. And I also quite enjoyed that both Candice and Johnny were wearing white pants, classic heel maneuver. I also want to buy their power couples t-shirt. It's a pretty good t-shirt. You and I should wear that. <laughs> I disagree strongly. <laughs> but, but, I, but I respect your enthusiasm, sir. <laughs> I can love it. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was great. All right. So it's time for the main event. And it is the... War Games Advantage match. It is a ladder match to win the advantage for War Games, I believe. Yep. All right. It's Pete Dunn <laughs> versus Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly is out first as Vic Joseph explains the rules. Whomever retrieves the case hanging above the ring will give their team the War Games Advantage. Um, we see the members of the Undisputed Era in a little platform behind the ring with Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan on their own platform. Um, then Pete Dunn gets in the ring. Kyle O'Reilly wastes no time. And also, I need to add that on the other platform, you see the other members of the Undisputed Era. Um, so this match, ladder matches are becoming a very common thing. Uh, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I love the ladder match, but at a certain point, these gimmick matches can be overused. I feel the ladder match is kind of slowly hitting that territory because the whole 
what more can you do with a ladder question comes up you know there will come a point where we you know where we have literally seen it all with a ladder match but i gotta give it to them because right from the get-go they did stuff that you rarely to never never to rarely see in a ladder match um the the dragon screw off of in the ladder for one Kyle O'Reilly's um, or Pete Dunn pushing the ladder as Kyle O'Reilly is climbing to it and Kyle O'Reilly does this weird flip and f- somehow the ladder falls on top of him was another example. Um, they did a lot of different unique things at the first, like, what, five minutes of this match? Absolutely. I also like that uh, Dunn had a focused attack. Usually ladder match is just spot, 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 spot. But Pete Dunn focused his attack on Kyle O'Reilly's hand the entire match and it kind of paid off throughout the match when he was he, he was trying yep. to climb and, and Dunn would do the classic finger breaky thing or yeah. he was working on a specific body part throughout the match which yeah. which tied it all together the spot that made me cringe early on was when Pete Dunn puts the ladder on top of O'Reilly's hand and climbs I wish the commentators pointed that out a little more um but yeah. it, because it ended up being a subtle thing but it kind of added and began the story of what you just said, the work on the hand, um, you know, the classic Pete Dunn bendy stretchy of the fingers. Um, <laughs> Matt, what else happened in this match? Tell our awesome listeners. Yeah, we can go down spot by spot, but, but so one thing that really stood out to me was Kyle O'Reilly gave Pete Dunn the classic suplex on the ladder, but it was a, it was a straight up like AJPW brain buster on a ladder and it was gross. It yeah. was re- it looked really really bad. This was a hard hitting match. I would I would have liked it more had it not been for the cheesy finish. But to progress the storyline I recognize they did what they had to do. But yeah, this was a really really good in-ring match for 95% of it. Do you want to talk about that finish? You haven't uh, analyzed any match tonight, so I'll give you this one. Sure, yeah, well, well, briefly, so they're both climbing the ladder. Uh, there's a ladder set up in the corner. Pete Dunn takes an incredible bump off the ladder in the corner. It was it was also sick, very gross. And Kyle O'Reilly's about to win the title. When a masked man comes out, kind of moving a little bit like Pat McAfee, but apparently McAfee wasn't there. So I don't really know who this masked man was. Boris, if you have any uh, theories, feel free to take it away. Balor. I think it was Balor, eh? But... Uh, you know, one thing I didn't notice was the height of this person. So, True, it, yeah. it, it did seem like they were fairly tall. I didn't, I didn't catch much about them either. But yeah, so and then Masked Man pushes Kyle O'Reilly off. Our second Masked Man in as many segments, and uh, <laughs> Pete Dunn uh, quickly scurries up the ladder, wins the match. Uh, go fuck yourself, undisputed era, and they <laughs> get the uh, they get the advantage. Now, I do want to say, obviously, the heels pretty much have to have the advantage in a war games match for it to work. But which is actually kind of funny because one thing that undisputed era was touting all night was they've never lost an advantage ladder match all night. And guess what? They were always the heels. So there you go. Absolutely. Uh, But I do think because like, I don't know, I think it's possible to do it in a way that you don't have to always have the, the, same ending to these matches right because eventually they're gonna have to twist it up and have the baby face win one of these things eventually they're gonna have to do it and they're gonna have to figure out a way to do it but for now they kind of did what they had to do and what you're expecting and honestly wwe very rarely does the thing that they just they should just do they they very rarely do the logical thing and they did here so hey wwe 
main roster. Yes. A distinction we've drawn a lot tonight, but yes. So yeah, overall, very good, extremely watchable episode of NXT. I think they won the war tonight. They won the battle tonight. They obviously did not win the war tonight, but they won They won tonight's battle, I think. And uh, next week is going to be a heck of a show for both, for both programs. Yep. Before we talk about kind of, you know, what to expect next week and why next week is important, you forgot one thing, playa. Play it, play it, play it. That's true. So I going to the match rating. I probably would have rated this above four players, but the the ending really took me out of it. I was Agreed. just like, oh come on! Like you're gonna do every ladder match ending. Like okay, fine. Like you guys, I feel like they earned it because the match was so good. But at the same time, it took me down a little bit. So I'm gonna go four players. Play. I shouldn't have done the accent on four. Four, four players. Play it, play it, play it, play it. For an eighty percent percentage, I think this was really good and. This was my match of the night, Boris. Oh, man. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm noticing the trend. I think you and I have a lot more similar taste of wrestling than I thought. Yes, except you hate the Young Bucks. No, I'm just kidding. We've gone down that road before. I'm just joking. (laughs) I should just get a t-shirt made. (laughs) Anti-Bucks. Your anti-Bucks agenda has been clear for some time. (laughs) Oh, man. I love it. So I think... We can just briefly breeze by this part because we've already said our match of the night was both the ladder match, although Kushida versus Thatcher, very good as well. Yep. I think our promo of the night was the same as well. Uh, was it Kevin Owens? It sure was, buddy. That was comedy and wrestling done perfectly. It put the match over without making any of the three guys look like goofballs, although Johnny kind of always looks like a goofball, but he came out in white pants. He, he was just trying to look like a goofball. Exactly. Anyway, this was great comedy and wrestling, great promo. Kevin Owens leaning up against the fourth wall, but not quite breaking it was just a treat. Just a delight, Boris, it was. I agree. And again, Damian Priest is such a cool face. He's a good baby face. He's a really cool, just laid back, like, nah, I'm kind of the best and I kind of know it. And once I get my chance, I'll fucking kill all y'all. So I'm biding my time and it's all right. I have a a feeling that that is Damian Priest, like the person who he actually is. It feels like it. It definitely feels like it. And again, I will say, like, it's very rare that I get to say this, but I enjoy not only a face, but I enjoy the WWE character more than the Ring of Honor character. Yeah, it's it's a rare one. It's a rare one, but they're pulling it off. And kudos to the performer himself. Damian Priest himself is doing good work. He gets it. You can tell he gets it. Yep. Exactly. He's he's improved so much. Like he's so much better now than he was like even a year or two ago. Um, all right. Next week is a huge week because not only is it the go home show for War Games by God on the WWE network. <laughs> it is also winter is coming for AEW, where we have a mega main event of John Moxley versus Kenneth Omega. <laughs> I'm also excited for the uh, the Diamond Dynasty Battle Royal or whatever they're calling it, the Diamond Dozen, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Dime a Dozen Battle Royal. I don't know what they're calling it, but uh, hopefully, hopefully Scorpio Sky wins it. It seems like they were setting that up, and I'm, I'm excited to see him get a little push. And uh, yeah, AW has got my attention. I'll be watching that one live and catching up on NXT. To be completely honest with our fans, yeah. So last, you typically watch AEW live, though, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of how we do that. I feel like you kind of flip, but mostly watch NXT, yep. and I watch AEW Live and then catch NXT either I, in the morning or that night. Yeah, I got to say, last night was very difficult to watch both because both shows were so good. Yeah, there was a lot happening on both. Like, it was... AEW Dynamite is feeling more and more like Nitro, but in a good way. Not like Russo Nitro, like classic Nitro. Like Bischoff, Lots happening. early I'm not, days of I'm NWO I'm not the first Nitro. to make that comparison. But. Yep, yep, exactly. And again, one thing that I'm really enjoying about NXT week to week is that we get a story being told throughout the night, um, segment to segment. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying the overall dynamics of you know team laray um and i'm i'm actually enjoying and looking forward to the women's war games match more than the men's absolutely last year the women's war games match was high on my list of match of the year with the with the dakota kai heel turn that was last year right time has blended yeah. together but i'm 90 yep. sure that was last year and that was a really good match the the war the women's war games match where dakota kai turned heel was a match of the year contender period and and I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see because all eight wrestlers kind of can bring it in the ring in this one. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, we're, we're, it hasn't been announced, but we're probably getting the the babyface team of Shotzi, Ember, Io, and Rhea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So all eight wrestlers are are very very good. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, you know, that's the reason why they kind of did that whole beatdown on Rhea, just so that they can include um, Io and her into the War Games match. But it also kind of puts us in a great position after War Games, because who's going to get who's going to be in the title race? You know, what sto- breakout stories are going to have? Um, all eight women have really good, you know, short term futures on NXT TV. I'm very excited. Like Wade Barrett says, it's the most exciting division in all of wrestling, NXT women. Yeah, it, it, honestly, he's not far from the truth, to be honest. Like, the women's uh, NXT division is just such, it's so standout. Um, as, yeah. as WWE catchphrases go, that one's pretty good. I, I buy it. Yep. All right. I think that puts a nice little bookend to our Wednesday night chat. And let's move on to the bigger broader uh week that was professional wrestling in our segment that we like to call what made us pop what made us rant we're gonna start with our pops matt you can start well boris my pop is that war games looks incredibly entertaining looks great I can't wait to see Pat McAfee in a cage match. It'll be funny to see what kind of insane bumps he takes for the team. Yeah. I, I'm I'm super, super pumped for the triple threat match. Very excited for the women's war games. War games looks great. I am more excited for this than I was for Survivor Series by a wide margin. I'm actually more excited for war games than I am for winter is coming next week. Although Moxley versus Omega will be a, an insane wrestling match. It will be very good. But yeah, War Games is the thing I'm looking forward to most in wrestling. Cannot wait. Agreed. All right, my what made me pop, and that was a match that I was actually really looking forward to all of last week, um, but it even surpassed my expectations. And that was your main event from Survivor Series. That is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. What nice. a match! One of the better main roster matches I've seen in a very long time. Say what you want about him. Roman Reigns can make 
anyone look freaking good. He's such a good worker. Um, that match just stayed with, oh man, it was just so good. I just loved the storytelling in the match. I love the fact that the ending came down to Roman Reigns is frustrated and just beating the shit out of Drew McIntyre. Um, it, it was great. And even though, and this is something that you rarely see in WWE main roster, and that is even after a loss, Drew McIntyre looks strong as fuck. Yes, and they did some shenanigans with uh, the Uso brothers, but it wasn't to the detriment of Drew McIntyre's character. It wasn't like such a cheesy distraction finish that like, y'all, he's a bad baby face now. Like, you're an idiot. Like, it was, it was, again, it felt earned, which is a term I've used again. But yeah, that match, that match was really, really good. I like that they looked similar and it was a back and forth match. It was like unique in that way. Like two guys who look just physically so similar, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. It was was an interesting dichotomy. Really, really entertaining match. I liked it a lot. I, I did as well. I really, really liked it a lot. Um, and yeah, that was my pop of the week. What made me pop? All right, Matt. Last week, we got a little too aggressive or not <laughs> aggressive enough. But what made you rant? I'm going to dial it back a little this week. Not that I'm scared to get, you know, my dander up. But it's 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 just a, it's not it's not so high this week. But so the undisputed, the undisputed era. I'm sure there'll be great baby faces in the ring. I can't wait to see the War Games match. They're terrible babyface characters right now. Way too goofy. Even Adam Cole is a little goofy. Yeah. He, I don't know if he can carry a promo, but the other three guys are just out to lunch. I want to see Bobby Fish get his ass kicked anyway, just because of his fucking mustache and his politics and his Twitter feed and just the way he generally is. I think he has to be a heel. But even like Roddy and Kyle are just way too goofy, yeah. way too like cheesy. They got it. The only moment of that promo that was good is when Kyle O'Reilly got serious and he was staring into the camera. They need to lean in into athletic cool kind of mma style yeah, baby face i agree I, I, you got to give it a chance because that's my whole thing i will give it a chance but this was a miss a swing and a miss week one my opinion yep i agree i agree with that though that was not my rant of the week my rant of the week was one and i struggled with this one because i didn't want to call this out but it was the final farewell to the undertaker no what a missed opportunity this was um i I understand the timing was impeccable with 30 years of his um from his debut but should have waited for a crowd um and this was nothing compared to rick flair's final send-off this is nothing compared to so many people's final send-off and how can you take the most iconic character an undertaker Um, The most iconic character for the past 30 years in all of professional wrestling, a person who kayfabed so much that until the past, what, 12 to 18 months, we never really knew what his, what Mark Calloway sounded like, um, to take all of that. Except for that one interview with uh, Michael Landsberg on Off the Record. Yes. I digress. Man, Michael (laughs) Landsberg killed it for years. Anyways. Legend. um, Legend. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got to say that. Overall, I was very, very disappointed with the final send-off outside of the Paul Burr hologram. Um, <laughs> I, 
I don't know. It just it just didn't feel special. It dragged on. There was no reason to have everyone in the ring. Also, I called out AEW for being irresponsible during a global pandemic. So what does WWE do? They fill the ring full of legends and old guys. No social distancing. The only person wearing a mask was the anti-masker himself, Kane. Um... And it was you know? covering the wrong spots. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just playing it. I'm playing it equal, equal grounds, you know. Man, but overall, hey, man. It, it, it added nothing. It was cool to see Savio Vega and the Godfather and even the Godwins. Oh, man, did yeah. they not age well. Uh, but, you know, overall, there was no point to having them there. The video package was cool. The visuals were cool, but it missed a certain as the French say, I don't know what. <laughs> One hundred six hundred and sixty-six percent agree <laughs> with you, buddy. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I uh, no, that was. You know what? It was so nothing that I bet it's not the final final farewell. They're just gonna forget about it and run yep. it back for the Hall of Fame or whatever it I is. Whenever fans can come, you know what they should have done. They shouldn't have built it as final farewell. If they did the exact same thing, but build it as 30th anniversary or something else, whatever other buzzword, final farewell was just dumb because it got the expectations way too high for what they delivered, which was nothing. I also agree about it being cool to see like the Godwins and Salvio Vega, but also like feeling gross to see them like this shouldn't be. And then they just left anyway. They didn't do anything. They didn't toast him. They didn't fucking shake his hand. Yeah, it was just it was weird. And shouldn't have shouldn't have happened uh, without a crowd. You know obviously. how we, we obviously we, should not have happened without a crowd. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. You know how we always say that cinematic um, segments in wrestling is getting too much. This is a perfect example of where you could have done a cinematic segment. Yeah, why not? Especially with what we got, you may has you may as well have. And again, you don't have to do a cinematic segment when you can fill an arena. But guess what? You can't. So yep. you should, yeah, they should, they could have done something like a video package, some kind of like even like in the graveyard, all these guys that he's beaten, like all yes. the souls he's taken. That could have yes. been really cool. They could have done so much, but instead they just trotted old guys out to the ring without masks for no reason, and then yep. told them to fuck off. Exactly. Um, and I always get a little nervous when a legend takes the mic and talks about you know thanking the fans and his legacy, blah blah blah. Because the last time that we got that was the Ultimate Warrior, and we saw oh what happened God. that night. So I got a little nervous for a second, um, but you know it was it just it just didn't feel final to me. No, absolutely. I think I think there's no chance that they leave it on that note. There's no chance unless something tragic happens to the Undertaker, he will be back in some capacity for sure. Yeah. Yep. So that was our rant of the week. What made us rant? What made us pop? What made us pop? What made us rant? We got to get. Uh, Got to get some cool music to intro us to to these segments. That's yeah, maybe like a little yeah, little uh, (laughs) royalty free action from the YouTubes or something. No, you know people, you can get it. You can get a proper theme done. Exactly. All right, Matt. Well, I think that leaves us to our last little bit of news, and that is last week we were talking about the fact that. Uh, some awesome listeners were asking, requesting reviews, and guess what? We will deliver them to you as a special outside of our usual Thursday time slot. 
I don't know exactly when we're going to record it, but some point next week, you will be getting a couple reviews um, in a in in a in a special show that I'm gonna call something flashy. With, with, and it's gonna be cool because we're gonna be talking about classic wrestling, and we're also gonna be talking about one of my favorite matches in all of wrestling, all of 2020, in Walter and Ilya Dragunov. Uh, absolute war. Can't wait to talk about either of those things. We'll also be talking about uh, both a primetime wrestling episode, the go-home show for the Survivor Series 1989, and the Survivor Series itself. Quite an insane couple programs of wrestling. And uh, I, I, I can't wait, Boris. It's very exciting. Yeah. Big All right. things popping, little things stopping here at the NXT Talk program show. Exactly, exactly. Matt, before we go, do you have anything else to say to wrap us up in a neat little package? Uh, well, I would, if I, if I may, I'd like to plug a little thing I did with uh, with the great Brian Mazik, who's a writer for Forbes and Operation Sports and a bunch of places. He calls himself the hardest working man in video games or video game writing, or I, I, I forget exactly what his nickname is, but it's hard to argue. He's all over the place. And yeah, so we did a little video podcast. I was asked to be the first guest on it. Absolutely honored. People are watching it. Very excited. If you care about Madden 21 or just want to see uh, more of this mug of mine, feel free to check that out please do it's always cool seeing you know we are our non-wrestling views i think that's it so we're gonna have more news next week on where you can find us but until then that it that wraps up our tour this week as we give you everything nxt here on nxt talk he's matt i'm boris Good night.